Hey, hey, friends. To be fair, life can feel like a mess with too little time. But on this podcast, we think through the challenges and make thoughtful, everyday decisions. My name is Amy Kay, and this is To Be Fair. Thank you so much for listening today. This is episode number 11, and today we're thinking about why and how we celebrate together. Last week, we talked about how to develop good habits with the method called tiny habits. One really important component of that method is celebrating when we've completed the sequence of the tiny habit. Positive emotions are connected to our habit formation when we do a little celebration for ourselves, and it's a really, truly powerful thing. And we will explore that kind of celebrating sometime, but today the kind of celebrating that I'm referring to is the collective types of celebrations. Celebrating collectively is on my mind because last Sunday, Christians who follow the common church year celebrated Pentecost, and this coming weekend is a community festival in Lindsborg, Kansas, where the boys and I live. So we're sandwiched here between celebrating, and it's given me pause about why we do these things. In a very unscientific search to give a ballpark to the oldest celebration recorded, I found that Babylonians celebrated New Year's over 4,000 years ago. That is some serious old-timey partying. We have been celebrating for a long while now, so there must be some inherent reason that humans have done so, and I would suggest there are reasons to continue doing so in our lives today. Festivals celebrate that something important has happened or is happening. They can be deeply rooted in religion or seasons or related to um, a food source. These are the things that have been important to people forever. Why we are living, who we are connected to, the planet's cycles, and how that affects our food supply. These are the most basic of needs as ours of human beings. Festivals also give us a sense of belonging and are celebrated by communities that center on some characteristic that is important to those particular people, like cultural identity, Swedishness, or Czech days, or Oktoberfest in a German town, maybe specific foods or drinks that are tied to those cultures, lutefisk, pierogies, or dark beer, perhaps. Festivals are events that cause people to pause and take a beat to recognize some goodness, like harvest. And then people give thanks to God or the gods or goddesses for the goodness of said harvest. Communal celebrations serve to mark the year or seasonal changes for us, New Year's and fall festivals. And over time, some festivals hook on to other times of celebrations, and this is when it gets fun. For instance, Midsummers celebrates the summer solstice, harvest, and ties into the feast day of the early Christian martyr, St. John the Baptist. Over time, when there was something going on at the right time, and people were already used to getting together, festivals would sort of evolve into something new, as meaning evolved. It always cracks me up when some religious people get, like, appalled when they first hear that their holiday started off as something other than how they have applied meaning to the day. Jesus only came around a couple thousand years ago. There were people long before that living life and figuring things out for themselves. So it only stands to reason that the new religions would hook on to the things that they knew and that were already established. It doesn't make religious holidays or festivals any less meaningful now just because they were 
something different in the beginning. If anything, I think it just adds to the depth of the coolness of that commemoration. Let's lean towards being amazed and curious about these things and not like horrified or indignant. So last Sunday, since I'm a Christian minister, I was with a sweet church where I'm substitute preaching for a while as they um, search for their new minister, and we celebrated Pentecost. I wore my red stole that I only get to wear this one time a year and was gifted to me by my colleague's wife years and years ago. So it's a very sweet, special stole for me. The chancel, the front of the church, was adorned in red also, and we certainly talked about Pentecost. We remembered it and thought about what it means for us today. That was the extent of the celebrating for us. (laughs) Back in the day, though, this started out as a harvest festival. Apparently in the region of the Middle East, grains were started to be harvested around the time of mid-April-ish and then were wrapping up around mid-June-ish. So it was a tradition to celebrate the first of the harvest and then to commemorate the end of the harvest. Food was, and certainly is, still a big deal. The lack of food is the big deal, right? So celebrating the harvest was important. And people gave thanks to their source of life, to God, or whatever they understood their source to be. Also at this time, religious people remembered their stories of the day when God gave the Torah to the nation of Israel, who were gathered at Mount Sinai. People who are Jewish still celebrate this, and it's called, and I hope that I say this okay, Shavuot. They decorate their celebrations with greenery and eat dairy products because of ties into their stories, and they stay up all night long reading the ancient texts. That's some hardcore scripture reading, but it does sound like overall a great time. So this established tradition was then the perfect hook for the people who experienced Jesus, or the stories of that guy. The stories of his life, of his words and his deeds, the stories of his death and his resurrection, all of these stories spread. The word of how believers were to be together as a community, how they were to be church. This story spread also. There was an experience of a serious closeness to God that people had together. And thus, then we have the birth of the Christian church movement that we celebrate as Pentecost. But it's also celebrated in the Jewish community as Shavuot. And then it's also celebrated by maybe others, like many, many people as just harvest. I love how all of these things can roll together. It's a time of celebration for different groups of people who remember and give thanks in their own way. Pentecost is one of the only Christian major holidays that hasn't been commercialized. Maybe this is why we don't celebrate it with as much zip. I don't know. There's not necessarily cards we exchange or presents that we exchange with Pentecost. But I do have a favorite memory of Pentecost and a community in which it was celebrated. When I was young, I was approached to um, consider applying for a job at this really wonderful church by the senior minister and the senior associate. And it was a really exciting thing to think about. So my husband at the time and I went to the church to um, just visit it. Like we just went to worship. And I remember sitting there in the pew. We were on the main floor of the church in the middle, on the left side towards the center aisle. And I kind of caught a glance of some red pants that the senior minister was wearing. He had on a full length black clergy robe, but I really thought that I saw some red pants under there. So I leaned over to my husband and asked if the senior minister was wearing red pants. I mean, surely not. 
I'd only met with this guy once, but he did not seem like the red pant wearing kind of guy. So my husband at that time kept an eye on the movement of the senior's robe. (laughs) And then he too thought that there were red pants under there. And I was like, who is this guy? Red pants? How surprising. Then the senior associate led the children's time with a story about the Hebrew word for wind. And it was an onomatopoeia. And it would be great if I could remember that word right now, but I can't. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I could never serve this church. I don't know Hebrew. And I still don't, obviously, because I still don't know that word. And it's like a basic word in Hebrew. Mm. Apologies to all my clergy friends. Also, I was thinking, and I don't dress as fun as these people either. (laughs) But it was Pentecost, right? I just hadn't realized it at first. The senior minister at one point made reference to loving everyone in their red, and I glanced around me, and heck yes, lots of people were wearing bright red. It was totally a thing for the whole church. I served that church for nine years, and I came to love wearing red on Pentecost too, like the scripture says. Red, oranges, yellows, flaming tongues. It's like a very interesting text. Acts 2, if you want to look it up. So last Sunday, I wore the brightest reddest dress I have on hand just for this occasion, by the way, with bright red earrings. And sometimes I wear red shoes too, but they were a tad bit darker red. And last Sunday was only my third Sunday with this sweet church. And I didn't want to really freak them out with my accessories. (laughs) Wearing red wasn't a thing in the church that I was at on Sunday because it wasn't a part of how they traditionally commemorate the day, right? It didn't symbolize anything to them necessarily, like it did for the church that I was at in Missouri. So these traditions, these festivals, these times of celebration together, they give people a sense of belonging. Um, It sort of leads to cohesiveness when people buy in. I felt like I was a part of that church in Missouri when I too wore red on Pentecost the next year. I know it's a silly little thing, but it's, it's totally true. These types of festivals, these types of things, they can help us to think about our identity and then how we fit with a collective identity. They are important for us as normal human beings who have a core desire to be authentically connected with others. This weekend, our little Swedish community, Lindsborg, as I mentioned before, is celebrating Midsummers. We're celebrating it a little bit early. The summer solstice is actually on June 21st. So the Swedes, like in Sweden, will be celebrating from Friday, June 21st through the following Sunday. But here in the middle of Kansas, we'll be celebrating all day this Saturday, Midsummers. There will be demonstrations in our downtown of all things Swedish crafts. There's a Kube tournament in the afternoon, which the boys and their dad have loved playing in for years now. Kube is a kind of Swedish lawn game that involves a little bit of strategy. I I think it's probably best played in a backyard with a cold beverage, but it's always fun at the city park as well, it seems. There are bounce houses for the kids and all kinds of activities like that too. But the biggest thing at this festival is definitely all the Swedish stuff. And especially the 7 o'clock raising of the Maypole. Friends, this is crazy awesome. Our town has adult Swedish folk dancers. I think they're called folkstanslag. But I'm sorry, Swedish speakers. That might not be said quite right. But you know, they're adults who Swedish folk dance. Then we have a high school group of over 50 kids who Swedish folk dance also. Can you believe that many kids? It is cool here to wear traditional Swedish gear and folk dance as a teenager. The group just came back from dancing on a cruise, actually. This is a serious big time thing. So the men of the adult group and the boys from the high school dancers 
run out onto the lawn and truly pull with a big old rope this huge maypole up to standing. It's all decorated, of course, with cottonwood greens, flowers. Then the dancers um, dance around the pole with the traditional dances, and later they invite us all out to dance too. I don't drag my boys out there to do the little kid dances, but we for sure go out there for the promenade. Oh yes, we do, and oh yes, we will this Saturday. The adult dancing leaders parade us around the pole in a sophisticated pattern. We've lived in this delightful Swedish town for six years now, and every single year I get a little teary about how beautiful and unique and quirky this sweet little place is in which we get to live. I always find myself sitting on the bleachers watching the pole rise and just like shaking my head at how lucky we are to get to live here. That's what festivals do. They remind us of what we have to be thankful for. They connect us with others who are thankful for these same things. They instill in us a sense of pride. They deepen our understanding of the place or the culture or the people or the faith tradition or all of those things all rolled up. They also allow us to eat different foods and drink different drinks. And how can that ever be bad? They make us take a beat from our regular routines and acknowledge something special. I bet we all have a festival nearby in the next few months that we could look ahead to and join in. Maybe this is the year that we should go two towns over for the Fungus Festival, or the Booze and Blues Festival, or the Hungarian Fest. Certainly if we have our own festivals, let's prioritize experiencing them this year. I think it's important as we think about who we are from events like these. We could always find something good to do at festivals, my friends. May it be so for you and for me. And hey, if you happen to be coming to Lindsborg, America this weekend or anytime, please do stop in our fair trade store that's called Connected. We're right beside Small World Gallery, which is the home to National Geographic photographer Jim Richardson, which is right on Main Street in the 100 block. We only have a couple blocks of Main Street in Sweet Little Lindsborg. Come and walk the streets and we'll find each other. If you are coming to the Borg, though, you are always welcome to visit us online at ConnectedFairTrade.com. Until next week, friends, have good days. Take good care. I'm Amy Kay, and this has been To Be Fair. To be fair.